And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday the 6th of February. I'm Michael Bailey. Coming up today... It's ominous for Man City. The title is back in their own hands. On this form, they will win the league. Who's on Barcelona's shortlist to replace Xavi? If I had to say who's the most likely to take it over, it might be him. He seems to be doing a pretty good job in Serie A. And it's getting messy for messiless Miami. I think the organization would acknowledge that this tour has not gone as planned. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. Let's start today in West London, where Brentford did the worst thing you can do against Manchester City. Score first. Gets through to Mope, who's in on goal here, and he tucks it away. Neil Mope, whose season has been transformed since the turn of the year. Sadly, none of us will now remember Neil Mopai scoring in a fifth consecutive game for the first time in his career. Instead, this was the Phil Foden show. Here's Foden. Here's the hat-trick. What a night for one of the most talented English players of this generation. Yes, Foden's treble sealed a 3-1 win that moved City to within two points of leaders Liverpool and they've got a game in hand, which is against Brentford. They even had Erling Haaland back in the starting eleven. The Athletics Tactics Analyst Michael Cox was at the catchy named GTEC Community Stadium and he joins us from there now. Michael, what a night for Phil Foden. Just how good was he? Yeah, it was a fantastic performance from Foden. I must say, when I saw the team sheet, I wondered what his role was going to be with Haaland back, with De Bruyne back. Maybe was he going to be a bit peripheral, but no, absolutely not. He was fantastic. Started on the left, drifted in field, obviously pushed forward into the box for three goals. He's actually a very good goal scorer. We think about him as a, a player of creative flair, but he's actually a much better finisher than he is a provider. And it was crucial here because City weren't up to much in general. I didn't think it was one of their best performances this season by a long way. But Foden was excellent and he won the game. Yeah, which does make this all feel pretty ominous from Man City now, doesn't it, Michael? A little bit ominous. I think they probably will have been quite pleased that Liverpool lost to Arsenal. Maybe a draw would have been the best result for City, but overall it's been a a pretty good match day for them. Uh, They've just got so many attacking options when everyone's fit. I mean, Doku came on down the right. Jack Grealish is another option. Uh, But, you know, with this front five, Haaland, De Bruyne, Alvarez, Foden, Bernardo Silva, it's just absolutely fantastic. And yeah, on this form, they will win the league. And just on Brentford, Thomas Frank has been mentioned by some people as a good fit to replace Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Do you see it like that? Yeah, that's an interesting link. I mean, in terms of style of play, it's a very long way away from what Liverpool do. But I think Frank is an intelligent manager. I think a a data-driven manager. I can see him adjusting quite well to whatever club he was put into, really. I still think it would be quite a big risk for Liverpool to go for someone who hasn't managed in European competition 
for example. And I, I don't think it will happen. I think they'll go for someone who has coached one of Europe's elite clubs or certainly towards that level. Uh, but I think he's a really interesting manager. I think what Brentford do in constantly giving the big sides problems. I mean, they did the double over Manchester City last year. Uh, I think he's a very good manager. I think he's got a very bright future in the game. Thanks, Michael. And those four goals at Brentford made it 45 for the weekend, making it the goaliest 10-game round in Premier League history. There's a word I may never say again. Brentford and City meet at the Etihad in exactly a fortnight for the return fixture. Lucky bees. So what else happened last night? Well, the action was pretty sparse, let's be honest, but it was a good night for Roma. Their post-Jose Mourinho renaissance continued with a third successive win. They thrashed Cagliari 4-0 and sit fifth in Syria. In La Liga, Sevilla eased their relegation worries with a 2-1 win at Rayo Vallecano. That's just their fourth victory in the league this season and moves them three points clear of danger. And get this, there was even some transfer news. Yes, Nottingham Forest captain, although he probably isn't that anymore, Joe Worrell has joined Turkish side Besiktas on loan with the option for the move to become permanent in the summer. The window in Turkey closes on Friday, so maybe there's still some life in the old transfer game yet. Meanwhile, former Manchester United forward Jesse Lingard is still hoping to sign for Korean side FC Seoul ahead of their new season. There was good news for a rather more current United player too. Lisandro Martinez hasn't ruptured his ACL. In fact, it's hoped he'll be back playing within a couple of months. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Let's head to Barcelona. It was a relatively routine 3-1 win at Alaves on Saturday. And yet, Xavi once again found an opportunity to trash the job he's leaving in the summer. Too long, didn't listen. Xavi called the Barca job the toughest around, the atmosphere at the club toxic, and he rounded it off with a dose of saying everyone makes you feel like you're not good enough to do the job. Which got us thinking, who's going to be the lucky ducky to succeed him? Dermot Corrigan is the Athletic Spanish football correspondent and he's with us now. Dermot, what do we know about Barca's shortlist to replace Xavi? The shortlist is a long list at the minute. There's lots of names being thrown out there. There's lots of uh, different people with different interests. It's Barcelona, so there's there's everybody who's in, around the club and involved in the club and would like to be involved in the club is thinking about who might be the next Barcelona coach. So it's very early days yet. Laporta said that it's up to Deco to hire the new coach but I think behind the scenes he's probably has has some ideas himself about who he'd like to to come in so it's gonna yeah over the next couple of months or weeks we'll see how it goes it's gonna unfold and it'll be fascinating to watch it feels like it's going to be a bit of a slow moving tanker then in that case Uh, Hansi Flick's name has come up uh, and that's the first real name to emerge what have you made of that and, and how likely could that be I think it's unlikely it is a he is a big name in that he's won the Champions League, beat Barcelona on the way to winning the Champions League a few years ago. He's also maybe would like to take the job. He's not getting a load of offers from other big clubs around Europe at this stage of, of his career. Maybe like City have gone to Barcelona. It still seems unlikely, though. I think maybe a few more names will come out, go in, come out, go back in again before the, the final decision is made. Have you got anyone in mind that you think they should be going for? I mean, bearing in mind, I guess, this Barcelona job, it, it may not have quite the same pool that the job has had in the past. 
it's been difficult and I've been thinking about it like obviously you know with, with it being my job and all I've been thinking about who who might come in and take over the job like if you wanted to go for a guy with the kind of Barca DNA uh, as people say then uh, Garcia Pimienta's doing a really good job at, at Las Palmas but he's he's too low-key really for, for Laporta. Imanol Aguasil has done a really good job at Real Sociedad has them in the Champions League they're playing Paris Saint-Germain soon he would be a really good choice as well. Again, I don't see him leaving Lariel, and again, he's not sexy enough for for Laporta. In an ideal world, Mikel Arteta would be a great candidate for, for the job. Former Barcelona player for a little while as a, as a youth player, worked under Pep Guardiola at Man City, now doing well at Arsenal. You know that that makes a lot of sense to me. But we're going to have to see. Maybe more likely to be somebody with links to Jorge Mendes to some of the other other ranges. I think Thiago Mata at Genoa is a quite likely appointment. If I had to say who's the most likely to take it over, it might be him. He seems to be doing a, a pretty good job in Serie A, knows Deco really well, knows the club as well. Mightn't be the most exciting appointment from a Barcelona fan's point of view, but might make sense from a lot of different reasons. And just finally, Xavi has had quite a lot to say since he first announced his departure. Are we still expecting a summer appointment? Or is there a possibility it could be sooner or a possibility Xavi might not make it to the summer? He's a bit of a loose cannon at the minute, maybe. And is you know, his press conferences are going to be very interesting to see over the next while. It depends on whether they're uh, how they do in La Liga, I think. Nobody really expects him to win the Champions League this season, but not getting into next season's Champions League would be a huge problem for Barca, given their, their major financial problems. Atletico Bilbao are fifth in the table, a few points behind Barca at the minute, and are, are doing going quite well. So if it looks like Barca slipped down to fifth, then maybe a change will be made. Most likely will be for, for Marquez to, to step up from the B team. Marquez doesn't have lots of experience, doesn't have much top flight experience at all, but if the wheels really start coming off for Xavi and it looks like some change needs to be made, then he's most likely to come in and do it until the end of the season. Thanks, Dermot. That's David Beckham being booed by 40,000 fans in Hong Kong on the latest leg of Inter Miami's preseason tour. Inter did beat a Hong Kong 11 4 1, but there was no Lionel Messi and Luis Suarez, despite tickets costing upwards of $200. That followed an embarrassing 6 0 defeat in Riyadh against an Al Nasser side without Cristiano Ronaldo, where Messi was only wheeled out for the final seven minutes. They're now in Japan to face Vissel Kobe tomorrow before returning to the friendlier surrounds of Florida. Paul Tenorio has been following Inter around the world and here he is. Paul, does this tour feel as botched inside the Inter camp as it looks from the outside? I don't think so. I think especially within the dressing room, the players feel as if they're just going through, I don't want to say a normal preseason. They've certainly acknowledged that it's not a normal preseason at all. But, you know, they're more focused on the football side of things and trying to get that sorted. That's not gone well either on this tour, of course. Certainly, I think the goodwill that Inter Miami probably thought that they were generating with this tour overall took a turn in Hong Kong the opposite direction. And so the, I think the organization would acknowledge that this tour has not gone as planned. But, you know, Lionel Messi just spoke here in Tokyo and he said, this is football. People get injured sometimes. And unfortunately, I was injured and I wish I could have played and I wanted to be out there on the field, but I couldn't. And, and I, I have to acknowledge that there is some truth to that. Anytime we buy a ticket to a sporting event, somebody could be injured. And it's something that Inter Miami is having to learn to deal with last year when Messi was out for the, the end of the season. And we'll see whether or not Messi plays tomorrow. You're in Japan for the final game of the tour. Is there still some face to save? And crucially, will Messi play? 
certainly I think there is, uh, you know, a chance that he'll play. What he said to the media here in the press conference was that he's going to try to train later today on Tuesday to see how it feels. He's got swelling in the adductor. It's not a strain to this point. It's just kind of on the precipice of, which is why they're being so careful with it. He said, I can't tell you whether I'll be able to play or not but I feel much better than I did a few days ago, and hopefully I can play. I, I would say that he'll, he'll probably, considering the way things went in Hong Kong, give it his best shot as he did in that second game in Saudi Arabia to get on the field, but we'll see whether or not Messi's on the field. However, most people won't be able to see whether he is or not because the game won't be airing on Apple TV as the other preseason games have. Thanks, Paul. So what have we got to look forward to today then? Son Heung-min and co have got a big semi-final ahead as South Korea face Jordan in the Asian Cup in Qatar. That's at 3pm on Trilla TV Plus in the UK, apparently, or 10am Eastern on Paramount Plus in the States. We'll be watching 75-year-old Neil Warnock take charge of Aberdeen for the first time against Rangers in the Scottish Premiership. Sharon, my wife, said, Aberdeen? <laughs> <laughs> That's on Sky in the UK and Paramount Plus in the US. And let's be honest, we could get absolutely anything at Ibrox. And two of Warnock's former clubs, there are a mere 15 of them, face each other in an FA Cup fourth round replay. That's Plymouth against Leeds on BBC One from 7.45 in the UK. That's your briefing for today. Your producers were Abby Patterson and Mike Stavro. Your execs, very much minus the suits, were Ian McIntosh and Ben Green. And I've been your host, Michael Bailey. It's Adam Leventhal for you all tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks for listening and have a fabulous Tuesday. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.